Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's it going? Welcome to the Sneaky Emu, a place where we're going to discover the wonders of the God, the wonders of the God, the beauties of they, a world that are ever before us that sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. How are you doing? There is a, um, there is a tacky inflatable Christmas tree that is deflating in my office. I was surprised this morning when I came in with a, let's see, about an eight or 10 foot tall inflatable Christmas tree uh, taking up the corner of my office. And so now I've just unplugged it and the spirit of Christmas is dying. <laughs> it's, it's, slowly, uh, it's slowly keeling over in the corner. Yeah. So how's it going? Mom, thanks for listening. I'm so very glad you guys are all here. Uh, this is episode number 135, I believe. And I, today I want to call this, 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 is, uh, uh, this is an announcement and a lesson. Uh, I think I want to call this, we're going to call this Inkblots, the talk, the book, the lesson. Yeah, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to call this one. So uh, let me, let me get to kind of the announcement because I think this is, this is fun. This is cool. And, and some of you may have, may, may have known this already, but it's okay. I'll give you some backstory to it. Okay. So here's the backstory. Uh, last, last December, I guess around the, around this time, I was inspired by a, a, a couple of stand-up and comedians. I may have briefly talked about this before. I don't remember. Just go with it. We're friends, right? What else are you doing? Uh, and so I, I was inspired by a couple of comedians, one in particular by, by the name of Neil Brennan. I don't know if you know who Neil Brennan is, but essentially he, what he used to, well, he's a writer. He, he's, he's a writer for, or was for Dave Chappelle on the Chappelle show. He wrote the movie Half-Baked. Um, he's skinny, kind of awkward white guy. You may have seen him. He's been in a capital, uh, couple capital one commercials recently. I think it was, I don't know, some commercials. I'm like, Hey, go Neil. That's really great. Um, he's put out two specials recently, uh, in the past three years, four years ish. Uh, one came, I believe before 2020, one was just after 2020. And he, he's kind of, uh, from what I've heard, his story is, you know, he'd been working in the shadows of Dave Chappelle for so long and not, not in a bad way, just he was ready to branch out and kind of do his own thing. So he started doing his own, uh, his own material and he put together these specials. The first one is called three mics. It's really brilliant. He splits the stage into three, uh, equal, er <coughs> equal areas. And then it has literally three mics on the stage. And then it's called, um, one liners, uh, stand up and emotional stuff. And so each mic represents like a different category of, of communicating. So he comes and he does a few one liners, quick, silly, ridiculous jokes. Then he has some more story-based comedy that he tells. And then he comes back to the emotional stuff. And each time, like, the lights go down and then he lights come back up and he's on a different mic. And so he kind of rotates through the three mics uh, throughout the set. And each time he comes back to the emotional stuff, he's telling this story about his family, his life, what he's gone through. And it just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier. heavier. So by the end... You find yourself going from a moment of lightness and laughter to a moment of heaviness. And like, uh, I found myself having tears over the, the whole story he was telling. And it was like this, it, it was like the comedy was this kind of palate cleanser uh, that, that removed any barriers or softened the heart 
uh, that made you more susceptible to the thing that he was actually getting at. Um, so it was really, really great. I'd highly recommend it. Of course, there is language. It's not kid-friendly. It, he's a very left, uh, leftist sort of person, liberal. I get it. It's whatever. It's funny. Uh, he put out a second one called Blocks, which to me was even more impressive. I'll not, I'll not ruin it, but that was the one that really, that really inspired me. And I'm like, oh, this guy doesn't realize it, but he's actually, he's giving a sermon. He doesn't realize he's giving a sermon, but he's giving a sermon and it's not, it wasn't too dissimilar from how I kind of construct messages. So I was watching it and I thought, man, that was really powerful. Both these have been really powerful. I want to try to do something like that. I want to try to create my own like special. I'm not a comic. I'm not even that funny. I don't think, uh, I mean, I make myself laugh, but I understand I'm not like a jokey type of person. All right. So whatever. So I started working on this, uh, in January, coming up with ideas. What does that look like? How's it thing? I came up with a theme, came up with an idea, started working, uh, wrote for a couple months. Uh, and then, uh, long story short, I, I ended up writing a book, having enough material to write a book, but then cutting it down to about an hour or so talk and creating my own special called ink blots. Um, and then as I, I was like, oh, I, sh I could really do something with this. I should, I should perform this. I should, you know, invite some friends and family and, and do a little show. And so I started to talk, you know, with some of our staff here. And then they kind of started to get on board. And then I started to tell people. And long story short, <laughs> if that's possible with me, uh, somewhere around like June, I sent out invitations. And then uh, this past fall, I had about uh, 50, 60 people show up. And I uh, got some openers and we did a little comedy special night thing. And it was really great. At least I thought it was really great. So I created this talk. Um, and basically, I, I'm not going to give too much away about it. Because if you saw it, you saw it. If you didn't, um, I'm hoping you will come see it. So uh, let's see. The, the big announcement, maybe, if you will, is that I'm going to redo... Ink blots. I'm going to to like make it an actual thing again. So if if you're in the area, depending on when you listen to this, coming up, uh, let's see, next we're in December currently. Uh, Friday, February 23rd, I believe, is the tentative date. Like so, sometime late February, I'm going to be doing this show, this ink blots, uh, and so you should come. This is I'm inviting you. I haven't sent anything out yet. You guys are kind of like the first to know outside of, you know, the, the like f staffing people. Uh, but we're going to, I'm going to do this thing called ink blots. And I've invited, I have three uh, openers who will be doing like 10 minutes each and uh, doing like more stand up type comedy. And then I will come and give my talk. And it basically, it's just sharing stories <clears throat> that I think are funny uh, that have, have some sort of larger point, right? So I think I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, so again, I, I I created that. I also had enough material to to expand that into a book. Um, and so at this uh, inkblot uh, presentation, I will also be releasing the book. It's not out yet. It's also called Inkblots. Uh, it has extra stories, extra inkblots, all this stuff. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a good evening. So. Uh, plan on Friday, February 23rd coming. Um, I, I think right now, currently it's set to be a free event. 
if it's not a free event, it won't be more than a five or ten dollar event. But I'm going to provide drinks, and uh, it's going to it's going to be a good time. So, wrote the special, did the book, um, and then I gave the special. So the the whole here's the basic premise, without getting too far into it, is that most of what we experience in life is not personal. And this is uh, I, I use some language from. Michael Singer's book, Living Untethered, which is a fantastic book if you haven't read it. Uh, and basically, at one point uh, in the book, he's talking about how things aren't personal. And he talks about how all of, all of life is a Rorschach test. Uh, and the way the Rorschach test works is that the Rorschach, uh, the images that they show, you know, the ink blots images, uh, what I'm talking about, the images they show are neutral. And so whatever it is a patient says they see in the image is less about the image itself and more about the baggage or personal experiences that we have that we project onto the image. So that's that's kind of the premise. And so when we understand that, uh, so Michael Singer says that all of life is a Rorschach test, that the things that we experience aren't personal. They aren't attacks against us. We're not that big of a deal. It's what we project from our past experiences onto the experience in front of us that causes it to be personal. Yeah, so it's it's a whole long thing. Well, well, not a long thing. It's a fairly short thing, but that's that's the basic premise. And so here here's so that's the 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 talk, the lesson, the announcement. Um, or sorry, the talk, the book, the announcement. So here's <laughs> here's the lesson. The, the lesson with this thing is that I. I I do this little show, you know, it goes great. We have a great time. Um, a couple of things uh, happen before or during and after the show that actually ended up causing me a, a, a great deal of frustration. Okay, so I spent, by the time I created, uh, had this inspiration to do it, by the time I wrote it, by the time I was able to uh, get a venue and get announcements out and get everybody there, and you know, practice and go through go through my routine and all this stuff. Uh, it was about a nine month process, right? So, which which is a is a long time to dedicate to uh, you know creating something new, but also in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that big of a deal, you know. And it wasn't like I quit my job or anything. It was just I get up in the morning, work on this little side project I've been doing, and then move on with my day. Uh, I, I enjoyed doing it. It was a a, a fun. Uh, experience. It was a, a kind of a new challenge for me. I really enjoyed that, which is, you know, it's always good, I think, for any of us to continually challenge and stretch ourselves a little bit and aim to try to do something new. Um, so it went really well. And uh, my brother was one of the openers, and he was pretty funny. Uh, a little bit, a, a little bit, um, there was a little, little, there was a little cringe factor to my brother. <laughs> I love him to death. He uh, he did a great job. He doesn't do this sort of thing, but I talked him into it, and he wanted to try it. He did he did pretty good. He had a great bit uh, at the end that involved uh, him. Well, I don't I don't know what he's he's gonna do it this next one, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But he had a great bit at the end that I thought was very clever and very funny. I had my brother in law come. He he was an opener. <clears throat> he he was very funny and actually. He's had a funny journey with this as well because 
uh, me and him have talked a lot about comedy. Like we watch different comics and we have conversations about it and we talk about kind of like the art of comedy, that sort of thing. And so uh, when I decided to do this and decided to get openers, he was one of the guys on my list and we were able to make it work out. And it's actually been funny because it's caused him to, uh, you know, uh, he's been practicing. He's been going to open mics. He's um, actually now he put together a show. He lives in Knoxville. He put together his own show in Knoxville. And uh, it's it's kind of a it's cool to see like the growth and uh, the intrigue. Uh, it's like he's this new path has been set out before him. He's not going to quit his day job or anything, but just kind of this hobby that he's developed and getting really into. So we go through this whole thing. I give this whole talk on ink blots and how the things that we experience in life aren't personal. Uh, and then have a great evening, family, friends, wonderful time. And then I go to leave uh, uh, the, the building that night. And it's, it's not super late. It's 9 o'clock or so. And I pull out to the light. Uh, from from where the church is, and I see a cop uh, coming across the intersection. No, he, he had somebody pulled over. Cop had somebody pulled over. I drove past him, and I had the thought, well, better them than me. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever have this thought? Uh, when, when you see cops, so you know the thing where, like, you flash lights uh, and towards people in the opposite direction to let them know there's a cop up ahead? Are you a light flasher or are you not a light flasher? I, I can go either way. Sometimes I do because I'm like, yeah, like, screw the man. Like, don't let him get you. You know, like, we got to look out for each other. But sometimes I don't because in the back of my head, I'm like, well, if he's getting them, he can't be getting me. So good luck, suckers. <laughs> do you guys, am I the only one? I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I see the guy. He's getting pulled over. This was one of the occasions where I was like, well, better him than me. I'm like riding high on life and, and the energy of like the, the afterglow of doing this little show. Um, and I, I pull around the corner and within an instant, I didn't even see him coming. The cop pulls up behind me, flashing lights. I'm getting pulled over. So I've got family and friends that have went on to a, a little place to get some dinner. I'm going to meet them, having this great night. And then the cop immediately pulls me over. So frustrating, and and in part of my uh, part of the talk, uh, I talk about how silly it is that we think everything is personal against us, and how we we say things like, "Of course, of course, this happened to me. Of course, you know, it rained on my wedding day. Of course, I'm at the back of the line. Of course, the cops pulled me over," as if to say, when we make this statement, we are truly buying into this idea that the universe is like operating on our system, on our timetable. It's the universe is um, entirely, that we are the center of all things. And so I go from giving this talk about how it's not personal and it's not all about you and give yourself a bigger perspective to getting pulled over and going, why is the universe working against me? <laughs> within within 10 minutes, 30 minutes of, of my talk, I become the very thing that I'm speaking against. And so the cop pulls me over and I, and I just, I, 
you know, of course I'm going to be kind. I'm going to, I try to do all the right things because I know it's a tough job for them. And I, I can only imagine, you know, being in their position and rolling up to somebody's car, you know, at night, you can't say anything. So, you know, I try to do all the proper things. I turn on the lights. I put my hands on 10 and two. I, you know, I sit very still. I roll down the window, like just so he sees, you know, I do all the right things. And, uh, he, asked me why you know kind of the typical things do you know i pulled you over uh honestly i don't i wasn't speeding i barely got through the light uh and so the whole stop was because um he said and i haven't checked it which reminds me i need to check it he said the the light on my license plate was out that's that's why he pulled me over which as we all know is kind of a a bs sort of thing like he's just He's looking for an excuse to see if anything else is going on. And so thankfully, the guy was kind enough. He wrote me a warning. I didn't have to pay a ticket. I just need to fix the light, which I haven't done. If you're a cop, uh, please don't follow me home, uh, especially at night. <laughs> I'm, I gotta, I'm getting to it. I just found out my blinker's out, too, so I got to get to that, too. So I got multiple lights on the truck to change. I'll, I'll get there. I promise I'll get there. Uh, so I have that happen. I, I go to the restaurant. We have, you know, a great rest of the evening. I told him what happened. My friends that were there were just kind of laughing, like, "Yeah, that, like, that's that's the most inkblot thing that could have happened. Like, the situation wasn't personal towards you whatsoever. The guy was just doing his job, trying to keep the mean streets of Winter Springs safe, and you just happened to be kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I, we kind of laugh, and I wrestle with it a little bit. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, so the next day we go, um, uh, the, my brother and brother-in-law were asking about, you know, the video cause we had recorded, we had planned to record the, the whole talk so I could uh, do some stuff with that. And, uh, so I call, uh, the guy who was uh, handling the recording and, and the tech side of things. And it turns out that none of the thing got recorded. None of the set, none of the night got recorded at all. So nine months of planning, getting people, writing, having the idea, uh, money invested into providing, you know, help, helping everybody have a good time, all the things. And then to have, to have that, to have no record of it, essentially, uh, it put a huge damper initially on my, like w on my spirit, on the excitement that I have. I did all this work like, and I, and I don't really have anything to show for it in the way that I'd hoped, which again, as I was talking to another buddy and just kind of lamenting about this, like, man, I can't believe it didn't work. It's so frustrating. Why? Of course that would happen to me again, using the phrase, of course. And essentially my friend said to me again, yeah, yeah, this is again, like the most inkblot thing that could happen. Right. It's the most inkblot thing. It's not personal. The, the, the tech guy wasn't working against you. The universe wasn't conspiring to prevent the cameras from recording you do the thing that you're trying to do. It just happens. So stop projecting like stuff from the past. Stop projecting this, this deep personal feeling like this, this deep personal attack. Accept it for what it is and move forward. Yes, I'm frustrated, but also it's not the end of the world. We still had a great night. We still had a lot of fun. And I, guess what? It now actually here's here's the the plus side to the whole thing is that because that uh, quote unquote bad thing happened, I say that very loosely um, because things didn't go the way that I had hoped because they didn't 
transpire the way that I had foreseen it to all transpire, it actually opened me up to like some new things. Uh, it, it led to once, once a few people found out that I didn't, wasn't able to record it. There was people like kind of started to feel bad for me, which I'm grateful for. Like they were, they were uh, empathizing with me to the point that I had several people uh, offer a lot of support. Like, Hey, guess what? We can do this again and we can invite a different set of people, different groups of people or the same people, whatever, and redo it and give yourself another chance to do this whole thing. I'm like, wow, you know, like after a couple of days of processing and getting over my frustration, like, yeah, yeah, like that, that's actually a better thing. And then I had an opportunity, uh, still have an opportunity in, in next spring to maybe go do this talk, uh, up in Knoxville with my brother-in-law. Um, and it's actually led to, uh, redoing this event in February and doing it in a way that, uh, I'm actually like, allowing myself to accept the help of others, right? So it's actually been a very, very good thing for me. Um, there, there's a lot of different layers and levels to this thing, but it's, it's actually been a very good thing for me. One is I, I've had to like actually um, incorporate or flesh out the thing that I was talking about in Inkblots and not letting things, not taking things so personal and not believing that I'm, that I sit at the center of the universe and understand that things happen. There's actually a, um, there, I, I know we've used this before, but I, I think it's a, a, a Chinese or Buddhist proverb type situation where the guy, um, what's the one, the, the guy who says perhaps, or maybe the guy who says, maybe, you know, this one, I'm going to, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but this is the basic principle that, um, there's a guy who, there's this farmer and he has, um, he has a son and, uh, the son goes out one day and he finds a bunch of wild horses. And so all the people in the village, they say, Oh, like, like that's incredible. Like, good for you. Like things are working your, like in your favor, like, you know, the, the divine, the spirits, the wisdom, whatever is, is on your side. It's, it's bringing you these things. And the, and the farmer says, perhaps he says, maybe. And then uh, the son goes out to ride for a horse one day, ride a horse one day, and then he falls off the horse, right? And so breaks his leg. And so then all the people in the village are like, oh, that's so terrible. Like you're, you're, you must, you're cursed with bad luck. Like things are working against you. And the, the farmer says, eh, perhaps. He says, maybe, maybe. He's not getting worked up about either thing. Well, then uh, war breaks out in, in their country, and and uh, the the empire is calling for the villagers to send, you know, um, the, to send their able-bodied people to to fight in the war. Well, because his son's leg is broken, he can't go fight in the war. So the villagers say, "Oh, well, you're so lucky that your son's leg was broken because now he doesn't have to fight. And now you don't have to lose your son, and like you think you're really blessed." And he's like, yeah, "Perhaps." Maybe, you know, like, and so it just keeps kind of going between these negative and positive things that one thing leads to the other that leads to the other. And so the things that we may see is like <clears throat> very negative things, uh, the things uh, that are working, that we think may be working against us, like uh, not being able to record the thing I was doing or getting pulled over by the cops. Like, oh, that's terrible. I can't believe that happened. Like maybe, uh, perhaps, but also like it's led to this, really great other opportunities yeah, perhaps yeah like so it's not it's not good or bad it just is and so when we're talking about things like how do we navigate life how do we 
how do we um, how do we maintain maybe some sort of calm or peace or how do we how do how do we move through the difficulties um, keeping our head above water that sort of thing I, I think it's super helpful to to keep in mind that th- this whole premise and this whole concept that that it's not it's not personal it's not it's not good or bad it just is and everything that we experience is uh, the way that we experience things is determined by our own response. I find I find myself uh, dealing with this a lot with with my kids, where I've, uh, recently I've had several moments where one of my kids is kind of being a brat, um, and I get very frustrated, and then uh, I kind of pout about it, <laughs> or I where I, I lose my cool, and then I pout about losing my cool or whatever. And I've had a few moments where I've caught myself kind of sulking, not, not like, I, I'm not sure that they, I'm sure they can sense that something's wrong with dad, but it's not like he's like crying in the corner or anything. But, um, where, I, where I've had an evening where I've kind of just, uh, ignored maybe is, it sounds, sounds really childish when I say it out loud. I get it. It, it is. But where I'm like, no, I'm not going out of my way to engage and interact with you because I'm still frustrated at you. And what it has done is that my behavior, my response has actually prevented me from having the type of relationship that I want to have. And so this thing that happened that wasn't really personal at all to me, just made me frustrated, annoyed and you know, they're just kids trying to figure out life and figure out where boundaries are and how they navigate things and who are these people <clears throat> that are their parents that are supposed to be taking care of them and providing for them. Um, they, they weren't out to get me, right? I believe my kids love me. I believe they know that I love them. Um, but I allowed that situation to get the better of me and to take that so personally that it actually prevented me from being the person, being the father that I wanted to be. It, it got in the way of, uh, of having a better relationship, of, of attempting to sort through or have a teaching moment, something like that. So when we, when we err to the side or when we continually believe that everything is a direct attack on us, it actually prevents us from experiencing the life that God, I believe, has called us to. Right? In John 10, 10, it says that, um, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. We do not experience the fullness of life when we allow uh, outside forces or outside events or happenings to dictate our internal uh, status, our internal state of being. I actually have this conversation with my son a good bit recently because he struggles with his like anger. He he's he's a bit like the Hulk, where he gets he can be very loving, but he can also like kind of lose it sometimes over some of the smallest things. And we've actually been watching, uh, we've been watching Star Wars. My kids have never watched Star Wars before, and so we're watching it. We're starting with the we're going through the release order of Star Wars, right? Episode four, five, six. Episode one, two, three. That 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 procession. Mainly because, and people may have different opinions, mainly because of my thinking was the technology that I'm more likely to get my kids to watch the old ones first and then then gradually uh, step into like the newer digital age 
rather than going from a more modern look to like the seventies. <laughs> Actually, my son the other day said the other son said um, we were watching like the uh, one of the episode four or five, and he goes, "Dad, when when was this filmed? Like this wasn't this really isn't bad for being like from the two thousands." And I, like he was trying to give it props. And I go, dude, this was filmed in 1977 or something. Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, for in his mind, uh, being nine years old in the year 2023, uh, something filmed in the early 2000s is a long time ago. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like double a long time ago in your mind. So anyways, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've been, we've been, the kids have been learning about the, the, the force and the dark side of the force and the good side of the force. And we, we've had a lot of great conversations surrounding Anakin Skywalker, who later becomes Darth Vader. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Do you have to say spoiler alert if the movie is, uh, let's say 30, 50 years old, something like that? I don't think you do. Anyway, spoiler alert. Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Yeah. So we have this whole conversation about how you know, he was actually started out as a good kid. He had some issues, but like a pretty good kid. And and so he kind of got swayed to the dark side and, you know, all this, how that goes into it. So we've been using that as kind of a reference point for my son to go like, dude, you're a good kid. You can't let that, that anger, that frustration, that dark side take over and lash out and all the things. Right. So that's become part of part of how we're navigating this, this time in his life because he is carrying, he goes into a situation, believes everything is a personal attack and then allows that darkness to take over, allows that, that, that pride, that ego to take over. Um, we've had situations recently. I feel like I'm talking way too much about my kids, but it's really great, simple examples. Um, we've had situations recently where he, he will, will ask him to do something. He will uh, get distracted by something. We'll ask him again, which I hate asking more than one time. We're working on that. Uh, and then he'll get distracted again and then we'll ask him again. And then we'll like, it'll be feed the dog. Okay. Feed the dog. Okay. Okay. Now it's like 20 minutes later, feed the dog. And also you need to pick up your socks in the living room. And then by that third time, he, he like loses it because he gets really frustrated and thinks, oh, we're just on his case. We're giving him too many things. He gets overwhelmed. Why? I've got so many things to do. And, blah, blah, blah. and so it becomes a whole thing. And, and it goes back to like, well, dude, like you, we're, we're not coming at you at all. Like you, you weren't listening or responding appropriately. And now you've got to the point where it seems like everything is against you. Like everything is overwhelming because now you've got like, instead of one task, you've got three tasks. And so he, t he, he responds from this very personal, deep personal place. Like we're all ganging up on him. And the result is this outbreak, this unleashing of this anger, frustration sort of thing. And so for us as adults, as like humans, as grownups, whatever, even if we don't feel grown up sometimes, I, I think this is a super helpful thing to keep in mind. Most, most everything we experience is not personal. And when you begin to, to operate through that lens, it actually provides a great deal of freedom. Uh, it's most people, it, how do I say this? 
we are way more concerned with ourselves than anyone else ever will be. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, you can play the martyr, you can play the victim, you can do whatever, uh, you can feel like the world is against you, uh, and you can go sit and sulk in your corner and do your little pouting, which I, I am guilty of doing, I'm aware. But no one else is thinking about your issues and your pain the way that you are. The reality is, even even when... You know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, they're not concerned with who you are as a person. You're just a vehicle in the way. It has literally nothing to do with you. They've got to get somewhere. They it may be you know an ego self pride thing where they think, oh well, I'm better than them, <laughs> where we live with a in a state of believing that that we deserve something more than this person, whatever, and so we just cut them off. Um, they're not thinking about you whatsoever uh if you go to like the the dmv and it takes 17 years to get through a processing line or whatever the people behind the counter they are not worried about your day do you know like you 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 experience this in a very tangible way at a place like the dmv um when when you're at a restaurant and you know your, your waiter may be having an off day even even though their whole job they're trying to take care of you try to try to make you have a good experience <clears throat> they're they're not thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you when i when i going back to my kids when my kids get worried about we just went and did paintball my son had a birthday party paintball um and we're looking at all these guys that are like decked out in all the official paintball gear and my son shows up in like a t-shirt and shorts and, and a rental gun. Um, <laughs> do you know, like he's, he's a bit nervous. He's a bit edgy. He's, he's being mindful of what will everybody think of him. Nobody else is thinking about the little kid in the corner, right? They're like, oh, there's that kid. That, that's about it. And so it's just funny to me and, and something that I think we could all learn from this or benefit from is this idea of learning that it's not, that it's not personal. And in fact, I mean, Jesus, so much of the Bible is talking about learning to die to the self. This is a, I, I just read that book. I think I mentioned it last week uh, by Richard Rohr, The Art of Letting Go. That is entirely about dying to the self. Um, in Matthew, I just read it, where Jesus talks about dying to the self. He says, unless a kernel uh, falls to the ground and dies, uh, it will, that, uh, I just had it. Uh, it's only, let's see, let's see, let's see. Stay, stay there. Don't go anywhere. Don't, don't shut off. Okay. Uh, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. There's something to this concept and idea of dying to the self that actually leads to uh, 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 the fullness of life that Jesus has come to offer. And so when we are attempting to navigate this life, uh, the way that we don't make things personal is through the death of self, is through the death of the ego, <clears throat> is to not let uh, our pride get the better of us in a way that causes us to live uh, outside of, that, that causes us to live with a egocentric sort of perspective in the world. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. Like we, we seem to think that we are the sun and everything is revolving around us. When the reality is, when you look at everything that it uh, has taken to make this moment a thing, like all of the however many thousands or millions of years, depending on your perspective of how the universe was created, <clears throat> um, 
like the things that have had to have happened to even make you exist and then to give you this moment that you get to experience uh, is, is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And if one or two different things went a couple different ways, you might not be having this experience or you might not be here or whatever. And so when we think, when we think everything is about us all the time, it's, it, it's a really problematic way to live because there, there's not freedom there. You are now burdened, you're trapped, you are enslaved by your past. You are enslaved by that, that moment that is objectionably uh, neutral and now you're projecting all of your stuff onto it, thereby making you a slave to the past, which is not how we've been called to live. It's not how we were meant to live. And so for us, if we want to live in the freedom that Jesus offers, um, it comes from like letting go. It comes from letting go of this need to defend, protect the ego. It comes from the, this uh, uh, letting go of this, of, of like desire, Right? That's one of the big uh, Buddhist concepts is it's desire that leads to suffering because we have this desire, we, we want this particular thing, we want to look like this, we want to do this, we want to be that. Um, and because we don't have it, we have this, <clears throat> this sense of suffering. But if we do get it and we realize that it's not all that it's cracked up to be, then we suffer because it, it comes up short and lacking. I had this conversation with, with my daughter the other day. She's online shopping like for Christmas, but she's like always online shopping. And I, and I, did we talk about this? I feel like, or it just comes up a lot cause it's frustrating to me. Um, <clears throat> where I'm like, look, if, if you keep doing this, like if this is the pattern that you're going to continue to set for yourself, you were setting yourself up for a long-term sense of disappointment because you're never going to be satisfied because you're always like, what else is out there? What else is out there? What else is out there? And then when you get the stuff and you realize that it didn't satisfy that need, you start looking for more stuff again. It's like this in the cycle. But if we are able to die to the self, if we are able to die to this, to, to desire, one, it allows me to be present. It allows me to be, um, to be content with the things that I have and with what I'm doing. It allows me to be in the space where I am. It allows me to appreciate the people who are in front of me. It allows me to appreciate all of the many blessings that, that, that I um, occasionally overlook uh, my my health, my house, my family, my the the property we have, the plants before us, the air I get to breathe, the fact that I have a car, uh, the fact that I can like plug in a cell phone, like there's all kinds of endless things to be grateful for, and so it does seem a bit silly when you understand one the vastness of the universe and how blessed we truly are, that that we get really worked up when things don't seem to go in our favor. Yeah, so I created this thing, this talk, Inkblots. Uh, I created a book along with that. And then after actually giving the talk, <laughs> I was immediately confronted with having to respond to these things uh, in a way that supported the thing that I just said, right? I was immediately confronted with, okay, Let's see if you're actually going to put your money with your mouth, money where your mouth is. <laughs> it took me a little bit. It took me a little bit, but I got through it and I did it. And actually, like, again, I found this sense of freedom. The thing that I thought might have been working against me actually led me to something new and bigger and better. Yeah. And guess what? 
this thing may fail the second time around. It may fail. It may be, may be a huge bust. But guess what? It's not personal. I'm not going to take it personal. I'm going to live in the freedom with the idea of I've I've created something new. I've 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 tried out something new. <clears throat> I've brought something good into the world. And and I think even in the in the set, I kind of close with this idea of like, none none of this is personal. And so even if you don't like the talk that I gave, even if you thought it was the worst thing ever, that I'm going to assume that has more to do with you than it does with me. Right. And so I'm going to live in the freedom and the joy of knowing that, that I have created something new and, and, and given it shape and birthed it into the world. I'm going to live in that, in that freedom. Cause that's, that's like the better way. Yeah. So ink blots, February, Friday, February 23rd, you should make plans to be there. Uh, it's going to be really good. I am going to be selling uh, ink plots the book at the event. I'm also going to be selling the other book, my first book I wrote called Life is Beautiful. That's already out though. Ink plots is not out. Although, you know what would be fun? What if I could get like, figure out some way to do like a special deal for uh, those of you listening in the podcast and, and you got a special deal for listening, a special code or something. Maybe I need a secret code. I don't know. I'll look into it. Keep an eye out for it. Um, yeah. So ink blots, the talk, what is it? The talk, the book, and then the actual lesson <clears throat> of having to navigate the things that I just talked about. There you go. All right. Remember, it's not personal. This has been the Sneaky Emu episode number 135. Mom, thanks for listening. I'm sending you guys all the love in your general direction. God bless. And we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.